लक एंड रिस्क नथिंग इज एज गुड एज और एज बैड एज इट सीम्स लक एंड रिस्क आर सिबलिंग्स दे आर बोथ द रियालिटी दैट एवरी आउटकम इन लाइफ इज गाइडेड बाई फोर्सेज अदर दैन इंडिविजुअल एफर्ट एन वाई यू प्रोफेसर स्कॉट गैलोवे गैलोवे हैज अ रिलेटेड आइडिया दैट इज सो इम्पॉर्टेंट टू रिमेंबर वेन जजिंग सक्सेस बोथ यूर ओन एंड अदर्स नथिंग इज एज गुड एज और एज बैड एज इट सीम्स बिल गेट्स मेंट टू वन ऑफ द ओनली हाई स्कूल इन द वर्ल्ड दैट हैड अ कंप्यूटर द स्टोरी ऑफ हाउ लेक साइड स्कूल जस्ट आउटसाइड सियाटल इवन गॉड अ कंप्यूटर इज रिमार्केबल बिल डोगुल वॉज अ वर्ल्ड वॉर टू नेवी पायलट टर्नड हाई स्कूल मैथ एंड साइंस टीचर He believed that book study wasn't enough without real world experience. He also realized that we would need to know something about computers when we got to college. Recalled late Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen. In 1968, Dogel petitioned the Lakeside School Mothers Club to use the proceeds from its annual rummage sale. about dollar 3000 to lease a teletype model 30 computer hooked up to the general electric mainframe terminal for computer time sharing the whole idea of time sharing only got invented in 1965 gates later said someone was pretty forward looking most university graduate schools did not have a computer anywhere near as advanced as bill gates had access to in 8th grade and he couldn't get enough of it gates gates was 13 years old in 1968 when he met classmate paul allen allen was also obsessed with the school's computer and the two headed off lakeside's computer was in part of its general curriculum it was an independent study program bill and paul could toy away with the thing at their leisure letting their creativity run wild after school Late into the night on weekends, they quickly became computing experts. During one of the late night sessions, Alan recalled Gates showing him a Fortune magazine and saying, "What do you think it's like to run a Fortune 500 company?" Alan said he had no idea. Maybe we will have our own computer company someday. Gates said, "Microsoft is now worth more than a trillion dollars." A little quick math. In 1968 there were roughly 303 million high school age people in the world according to the UN about 18 million of them lived in the United States about 270000 of them lived in Washington state a little over 1 lakh of them lived in the Seattle area and only about 300 of them attended Lakeside school started with 303 million end with 300 one in a million high school age students attended the high school that had the combination of cash and foresight to buy a computer bill gates happened to be one of them gates is not shy about what this meant it's there had been no lakeside there would have been no microsoft he told the school's graduating class in 2005 gates is staggeringly smart even more hard working and as a teenager had a vision for computers that even most seasoned computer ex- executives couldn't grasp he also had a one in a million head start by going to school at lakeside now let me tell you about gates friends kent evans he experienced an equally powerful dose of luck's close sibling the risk bill gates and paul allen became household names thanks to 
Microsoft success, but back at Lakeside there was a third member of this gang of high school computer prodigies. Kent Evans and Bill Gates became best friends in 8th grade. Evans was by Gates own account the best student in the class. The two talked on the phone ridiculous amounts. Gates recalls in the documentary inside Bill's brain. I still know Ken's phone number, he says, 5257851. Evans was as skilled with computers as Gates and Allen. Lakeside once struggled to manually put together the school's class schedule, a maze of complexity to get hundreds of students the classes they need. At times, they don't conflict with other courses. The school tasked Bill and Kent's children by any measure to build a computer program to solve the pro- problem. It worked, and unlike Paul Allen, Kent shared Bill's business mind and endless ambition. Kent always had a big briefcase, like a lawyer's briefcase. Gates recalls, we were always scheming about what we would be doing five or six years in the future. Should we go be CEOs? What kind of impact could you have? Should we go be generals? Should we go and be ambassadors? Whatever it was, Bill and Kent knew they would do it together. After reminiscing on his friendship with Kent, Gates trails off. We would have kept working together. I'm sure we would have gone to college together. Kent could have been a founding partner of Microsoft with Gates and Allen. But it would never happen. Kent died in a mountaineering accident before he graduated high school. Every year, there are around three dozen mountaineering deaths in the United States. The odds of being killed on a mountain in a high school are roughly one in a million. Bill Gates experienced one in a million luck by ending up at the lakeside. Kent Evans experienced one in a million risk by never getting to finish what he and Gates set out to achieve. The same force, the same magnitude working in opposite directions. Luck and risk are both the reality that every outcome in life is guided by forces other than individual effort. They are so similar that you can't believe in one without equally respecting the other. They both happen because the world is too complex to allow 100% of your actions to dictate 100% of your outcomes. They are driven by the same thing. You are one person in the game with 7 billion other people and in finite moving paths. The accidental impact of actions outside of your control can be more consequential than the ones you consciously take. But Both are so hard to measure and hard to accept that they too often go overlooked. For every Bill Gates, there is a Kent Evans who was just as killed and driven driven, but ended up on the other side of the life, Rollet. If you give luck and risk their proper respect, you realize that when judging people's financial success, both your own and others, it's never as good as or as bad as it seems. Years ago, I asked economist Robert Schiller who won the Nobel Prize in Economics. What do you want to know about investing that we can't know? The exact role of luck is successful outcomes, he answered. I love that response because no one actually thinks luck doesn't play a role in financial success. But since it's hard to quantify luck and rude to suggest people's success is owed to it, the default stance is often to implicitly ignore luck as a factor of success. If I say there are a billion investors in the world, by sheer chance would you expect 10 of them to become billionaires predominantly of luck? You would reply of course, but then if I ask you to name those investors to their face, you will likely back down. 
When judging others, attributing success to luck makes you look jealous and mean, even if we know it exists. And when judging yourself, attributing success to luck can be too demoralizing to accept. Economist Bhaskar Mazumdar has shown that incomes among brothers are more correlated than height or weight. If you are rich and tall, your brother is more likely to also be rich than he is tall. I think most of us intuitively know this is true. The quality of your education and the doors that open for you are heavily linked to your parents' socio-economic status. But find me two rich brothers and I will show you two men who do not think the study's findings apply to them. Failure, which can be anything from bankruptcy to not meeting a personal goal, is equally abused. Did failed businesses not try hard enough? Were bad, were bad investments not thought through well enough? Are wayward careers due, due to laziness? Sometimes yes, of course, but how much? It's so hard to know. Everything worth pursuing has less than 100% odds of succeeding. And risk is just what happens when you end up on the unfortunate side of that education, of that equation. Just as with luck, the story gets too hard, too messy, too complex if we try to pick apart how much of an outcome was a conscious decision versus a risk. Say I buy a stock and five years later it's gone nowhere. It's possible that I made a bad decision by buying it in the first place. It's also possible that I made a good decision that had an 80% chance of making money and I just happened to end up on the side of the unfortunate 20%. How do I know which is which? Did I make a mistake or did I just experience the reality of risk? It's possible to statistically measure whether some decisions were wise, but in the real world day to day, we simply don't. It's too hard, we prefer simple stories, which are easy but often devilishly misleading. After spending years around investors and business leaders, I have come to realize that someone else's failure is usually attributed to bad decisions while your own failures are usually chalked up to the dark side of risk. When judging your failures, I am likely to prefer a clean and simple story of cause and effect. Because I don't know what's going on inside your head, you had a bad outcome, so it must have been caused by a bad decision is the story that makes the most sense to me but when judging myself i can make up a wild narrative justifying my past decisions and attributing bad outcomes to risk the cover of forbes magazine does not celebrate poor investors who made good decisions but happened to experience the unfortunate side of risk but it almost certainly celebrates rich Investors who made okay or even reckless decisions and happened to get lucky. Both flipped the same coin that happened to land on a different side. The dangerous part of this is that we are all trying to learn about what works and what doesn't with money. What investing strategies work, which ones don't. What business strategies work, which ones don't. How do you get rich? How do you avoid being poor? We tend to seek out these lessons by observing success and failures and saying, do what she said, avoid what he did. If we had a magic wand, we would find out exactly what proportion of these outcomes were caused by actions that are repeatable versus the role of random risk and luck that swayed those actions one way or the other. But we don't have a magic wand. We have the brains that prefer easy answers without much appetite of for nuance. So identifying the traits we should emulate, emulate or avoid can be anagogical 
agonizingly hard let me tell you another story of someone who like bill gates was wildly successful but whose success is hard to pin down as being caused by luck or skill cornelius vanderbilt had just finished a series series of business deals to expand his railroad empire one of his business advisors l- leaned in to tell vanderbilt that every transaction he agreed to broke the law My god John said Vanderbilt you don't suppose you can run a railroad in accordance with the status of the state of New York do you My first thought when reading this was the yeah, that attitude is why he was so successful laws didn't accommodate railroads during the Vanderbilt's time so he said to hell with it and went ahead anyway Vanderbilt was wildly successful so it's tempting to view his law flaunting which was notorious and vital to his success as sage wisdom that's crappy visionary let nothing get in his way but how dangerous is that analysis no sane person would recommend flagrant crime as an entrepreneurial trait you can easily imagine vanderbilt's story turning out much different an outlaw whose young company collapsed under the court order so we have a problem here you can praise vanderbilt for flaunting the law with as much passion as you criticize enron for doing the same Perhaps one got lucky by avoiding the arm of the fourth the law while the other found itself on the side of risk John D Rockefeller is similar his frequent circumventing of the law a judge once called his company no better than a common thief is often portrayed by historians as cunning business smarts maybe it was but when does the narrative shift from you do, you didn't let outdated laws get in the way of innovation do you committed a crime Do you committed a crime or how little would the story have to shift for the narrative to have turned from Rockefeller was genius try to learn from his successes to Rockefeller's was a criminal try to learn from his business failures very little what do i care about the law vanderbilt's one said ain't i got the power he did and it worked but it's easy to imagine those being the last words of a story with a very different outcome the line between bold and reckless can be thin when we don't give risk and luck their proper billing it's often invisible benjamin graham is known as one of the greatest investors of all the time the father of value investing and the early mentor of the warren buffett but the majority of benjamin graham's investing success was due to owning an enormous chunk of jico stock which by his own admission broke nearly every diversification rule that graham himself laid out in his famous text where does the thin line between bold and reckless fall here i don't know graham wrote about his jico gico bonanza one lucky break or one supremely shrewd decisions we can tell them apart not easily we similarly think mark zuckerberg is a genius for turning down yahoo 2006 dollar 1 billion offer to buy his company he saw the future and stuck to his guns but people criticize yahoo with as much passion for turning down its own big boy out offer from microsoft those fools should have crashed ah uh, should have cashed out while they could what is the lesson for entrepreneurs here i have no idea because risk and luck are so hard to pin down There are so many examples of this countless fortunes and failures owe their outcome to leverage the best and worst managers drive their employees as hard as they can the customer is always right the customers don't know what they want are both accepted business wisdom the line between 
in springly bold and foolishly reckless can be a millimeter thick and the only visible with hindsight risk and luck are doppelgangers this is not an easy problem to solve the difficulty to in identifying what is luck what is skill and what is risk is one of the biggest problems we face when trying to learn about the best way to manage money but two things can point you in a better direction be careful who you praise and admire be careful who you look down upon and wish to avoid becoming or just be careful when assuming that 100% of outcomes can be attributed to effort and decisions after my son was born i i wrote him a letter that said in part some people are born into families that encourage education others are against it some are born into flourishing economies encouraging of entrepreneurship others are born into war and destitution i want you to be successful and i want you to earn it but realize that not all success is due to hard work and not all poverty is due to laziness keep this in mind when judging people including yourself therefore focus less on specific individuals and case studies and more on broad patterns studying a specific person can be dangerous because we tend to study extreme examples the billionaires the ceos or the massive failures that dominate the news and extreme examples are often the least applicable to those situations given their complexity the more extreme the outcomes the less likely you can apply its lessons to your own life because the more likely the outcome was influenced by extreme ends of luck or risk you will get closer to actionable takeaways by looking for broad patterns of success and failure the more common the pattern the more applicable it might be to your life trying to emulate warren buffett's investment success is hard because his results are so extreme that the role of luck in his lifetime performance is very high is very likely high and luck is in something you can reliably emulate but realizing as we will see in chapter 7 that people who have control over their time tend to be happier in life is a broad and common enough observation that you can do something with it my favorite historian frederick lewis allen spent his career depicting the life of the average median american how they lived how they changed what they did for work what they ate for dinner etc there are more relevant lessons to take away from this kind of broad observation than here than there are in studying the extreme characters that tend to dominate the news Bill Gates once said success is a lousy teacher it seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose when things are going extremely well realize it's not as good as you think you are not invincible and if you acknowledge that luck brought you success then you have to believe in luck's cousin's risk which can turn your story around just as quickly but the same thing is true in the other direction failure can be a lousy teacher because it seduces smart people into thinking their decisions were terrible when sometimes they just reflect the unforgiving realities of risk the trick when dealing with failure is arranging your financial life in a way that a bad investment here and the missed financial goal that there won't wipe you out so you can keep playing until the odds fall in your favor but more important is that as much as we recognize the role of the luck in success the role of risk means we should forgive ourselves and leave room for understanding when judging failures nothing is as good or as bad as it seems now let's look at the stories of two men who pushed their luck